Welcome to Season 3, Episode 7 of How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams. I'm your host, author and entrepreneur, Emily White. Huge thanks to, to the New York City Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment for making this season happen. This live podcast taping is a part of New York Music Month, the official celebration of New York City's vibrant and dynamic music ecosystem. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Banzoogle. We want to take this time to congratulate Banzoogle members for sur- surpassing $100 million in commission-free sales of music, merch, and tickets through their websites. Banzoogle makes it easy to build a stunning website and online store for your music in minutes. All the features you need are already built in, including dozens of fully customizable templates, tools to sell music, merch, and tickets commission-free, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, integrations with Bandcamp, SoundCloud, YouTube, Bands in Town, and more, so you can easily add content from your other online profiles plus live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Plans start at just $8.29 per month, which includes hosting and your own free custom domain name. How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com to try it free for 30 days and use the promo code SUSTAINABLE, all caps, to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code SUSTAINABLE. June also means it's Pride Month. I want to deeply thank our partners over at the Ally Coalition for supporting us and the crucial work they are doing. Founded in 2013 by Jack and Rachel Antonoff, the Ally Coalition provides critical support for organizations dedicated to bettering the lives of LGBTQ youth and raises awareness about the systematic inequalities facing the LGBTQ population. The Ally Coalition is committed to bettering the lives of LGBTQ youth through tours, social media campaigns, and collaborative partnerships. To learn more and how you can get involved, visit theallycoalition.org. Okay, let's do this. So we're now halfway through taking, halfway, we've taken you halfway, basically, (laughs) through the modern music industry in full, which means you've gotten your art together, You've set up your community.com and marketing channels before you begin began re- recording, so that's in place, plus launched your pre-order or Patreon to monetize your music before it's even out. We covered everything you need to do legally around your music, in particular ensuring everyone in the studio signs a work-for-hire agreement and you have a clear process to discuss and confirm songwriting splits. And you've recorded your music, which is very exciting. From there, you registered your songwriting with a performing rights organization and song trust or your publishing administrator. Last week, we dug in deep on the proper ways to distribute your music to receive the maximum amount of income while exploring where music distribution is headed via Web Web3 and so much more. So your music is out. Now what? Today, we're going to cover how to market with or without a budget. So let's get to it. To do so, I'm thrilled to bring out Janae Brown, also known as the Beyonce of Marketing, who is CEO of Brown to Perfection Agency. Janae, I'm just going to read a little bit of your bio so folks have a background here. Recognized by both the public and her colleagues for her expertise, Janae has been recently featured in major trade platforms like Forbes, Adweek, Afrotech, and Morning Brew. After obtaining a bachelor's in in business management with a concentration in music, She dove straight into work and has worked with the best of them at Sony Music, Columbia Records, and RCA. 
In these roles, she has had the opportunity to spearhead projects and work behind the scenes in various capacities with names like Beyonce, ACDC, Usher, J. Cole, Tyler, Tyler the Creator, T.I., Bryson Tiller, g Easy, Gold Link, Her, Jasmine Sullivan, and more. It was within her cubicle at these office spaces that she created her business, Brown to Perfection, in 2016, where she and her team, comprised of all black and people of color marketers, offer traditional and digital marketing, brand strategy, influencer marketing, and experiential event services. Welcome, Janae. Yeah, let's welcome Janae. Give it up for Janae. <laughs> We're excited to be here. Yes, we're so honored to have you. So let's start at the beginning. Where are you from? So I'm from Harlem, New York, the east side of Harlem specifically. Um, and that's where I grew up, born and raised. Uh, then I went to college, as mentioned, out in Long Island. Um, and now currently I'm based in Atlanta. Love it. So it looks to me like you set out to be in the industry from day one. Tell us about your first experience at Power 5 Worldwide. Yeah, so that was amazing. Shout out to Bobby Springsteen, longtime mentor of mine. Um, I actually met Bobby when I was a, um, a part of the Harlem Children's Zone um, by Jeffrey Canada. It's an incredible program where kids in Harlem, um, there's a school, but I actually was just a part of the high school after school program and where we ideally were paid to like do after school. Um, and so it's a genius idea because it's like kids just want to run around, but in Harlem, kids want to make money, right? Because we want to shop, we want to hang out with our friends. And so we pretty much were being paid to like take SAT classes, go on college tours, do tutoring. Um, and there also was a music class. So I've been singing and writing music actually my entire life. A lot of people don't know that. Um, and so at the time I was going to perform in art school um, in New York City, of course, Talent Unlimited High School. I was a vocal major. And so I'm attending the after school program. And through the program, you know, I'm singing. We ended up performing, you know, um, for the governor and at Cipriani's. And we're doing all this at like 16, 17 years old. Um, and so I'm learning a lot. And Bobby, who was the founder of Power of Five um, Worldwide, he was also our music teacher. And so he had already had extensive AR experience and experience working in music at companies like Bad Boy and things like that back in the day. And so this company was basically um, like a DJ um, kind of marketing and promotional platform that he had, a management company. And so I would pretty much just help him out with whatever was needed with that. Um, I always tell people I started interning very, very early. Um, as early as 16. <laughs> and so I went from there to working with a brand management and marketing company um, that had an artist named Tess. And she was on, we got her on Good Morning America. She did Battle of the Bands when like Afropunk first, first started. A um, hundred years ago, feels like now. But yeah, those are the kinds of things that I was doing pretty early on um, that kind of helped me transition from outside of just doing music, being re really interested in the business side of things. I love that. And it's such a good reminder. You know, I meet, you know, high school students and young people all the time in New York City, a lot of times through the city's sound thinking program, and they often take for granted that they're here, right? Because you grew up here, but I'm just like, I'm from a village in the Midwest. So to be able to like have access to the subway and be able to get anywhere is, is incredible. But also like, 
it, it also doesn't matter where you live, right? So it's like, I grew up outside of Milwaukee. It's like, I could get involved with Summerfest, which is, I, I, I didn't. I just went to Summerfest. But I, I just want to <laughs> echo your point. Like, there's always, you know, things to do when, when you're younger. Um, so take advantage of that if, if you can. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. it's Go ahead. rough a bit because the city has so much going on. Yeah. Um, and especially if you come from an underprivileged neighborhood, there's so many other distractions and things that you could get into. Um, and so I'm really grateful for the programs that did exist and continue yeah. to exist in the city um, that, you know, help make a difference. I tell people every day, if it wasn't for programs like Harlem Children's Zone, if it wasn't for stuff like, you know, summer use, me having a job since I was 14 every summer, if it wasn't for things like that, I just don't know, you know, where I would be. So, you know, it's, it's rough, but I think, you know, if you're looking for them or if, you know, I always try to put the more the emphasis on, you know, the adults around, right? Like really, really push to the youth to get them involved in things, if you present the opportunity, most kids will, you know, um, utilize it. And they may not realize in the moment how amazing that is, but then, you know, years down the line, they're like, wow, just look at me. It's so true. Yeah. And I just want to add a little bit more info about sound thinking. That's a free, I never know what to call it, like kind of boot camp workshop. Um, for New York City public high school students, for New York City teenagers, basically, who are interested in learning about the music business. So I feel like that's exactly the kind of program you're talking about. Yep. And free lunch at Sound Thinking, too. So Right. The food is important. Yes. You gotta feed the kids. Exactly. <laughs> so from there, you moved on to AE360 Media. What did you learn there? AE360 Media. So that was actually the management and marketing company I was oh, talking I see. about. With the artist Ted. So there, I learned everything that it took to develop an artist from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, Tess was an independent artist. I learned that there's so many moving pieces to get it from the creation of the music to getting it in front of people. I learned what it takes to get an artist ready, even once you figure out how to land the opportunities. And then once you land them, all the preparation it takes to ace it, to really like kill it. Um, and, you know, she's a female artist, so there's glam, there's how we need a stylist, there's, you know, transportation, there's security, there's, you know, we want to do a, a release party, but here's our budget. How do we make that happen? Um, how do we make sure it's in an ideal location? And what are the different things that we add to it to make it, um, you know, make it worthwhile, make it go beyond just this fun event where everybody can kind of drink and eat and take pictures? And at the time, Believe it or not, this was the time where Instagram was brand spanking new. Um, So I also set up all their social media channels, Instagram, Twitter. I made sure their Facebook was up and running properly. And so it was also figuring out cool ways to use this very new thing. Like, I, I feel like most of us today can't even imagine a world where Instagram didn't exist. But like, that was literally at the same time. So I also got an opportunity to really learn digital at yeah. the bare bones levels. It of course changes so much, but the inherent thread of social media and why we're on it so much and you know what it means and what it would become, I, I was able to kind of really get get that that lesson early on. That's such a good point. And you know, we're obviously going to talk about social media in this episode, but you know, for those looking, you know, uh, to follow, in, follow Janae's footsteps and, you know, aspiring industry people, like, 
a lot of times at your internships, folks are going to assume that you know how to do social media marketing because you're younger and very, you know, I, I've never met, I've, I don't think I've ever met a college student that actually knows how to do social media marketing. So the more you can, re- I'm not saying it's fair that it's that uh, people are assuming that um, you know how to do social media marketing, but just because you have an Instagram account doesn't mean you know how to market an artist. So the more you can learn, you know, from folks like Janae and a lot of the great resources that are out there, the more... Um, you can live up to those expectations that probably aren't fair, to be honest. So, yeah, I mean, the good thing though, what I will say is, being younger, um, you do have a much better pulse. Yeah. Like, right? just because you consume things in such an organic way. So, I'll also say on the flip side, don't underestimate how powerful you can be in a room as an intern, because um, there's things that the people that are, you know, supervising you, are responsible for where we can't necessarily be in the apps and on every new trend and every new thing and see everything. We just don't have that type of disposable time, yeah. right, at this point in our career. So you may not know exactly how to market an artist yet, which is why when you're an intern, that's what you're supposed to learn. But definitely be the person who's like innovative, who brings stuff to the table. Hey, I saw this. I don't really know how we could utilize it, but maybe it could be cool. Hey, here's this new app people are talking about. Hey, here's this new new trend people are utilizing on Snapchat, on TikTok, on Instagram. Hey, I saw an artist do this. Like all of that stuff is helpful. And then I think your superior will be able to connect the dots and say, oh, okay, ding, ding, ding. This is how we can use that to market an artist. And then you end up kind of learning. Uh, that's kind of how, you know, that was my approach, especially when I started interning at um, the label at, at RCA. Um, and I think executives definitely respect the intern who's like trying to bring something. Like, don't feel like you're being annoying. Time and place, of course. Yeah. Um, but, you know, don't feel like you're being annoying or be afraid to speak up because yeah. that's, you know, that's really how you get more opportunities to learn too. And would you say, like, only do that if you genuinely have an idea versus, like, suggesting an idea just to have an idea, if that makes sense? Yeah, for sure. Like, that could be intentional, right? Um, And sometimes, you know, I would say it doesn't necessarily have to be an idea. And if there is a structure in your internship where you get an opportunity to share things or, you know, present things, it depends on where you are. But if there's some sort of opportunity during the week or during the day when you can present things, write them down. You know what I mean? So it's also not this like constant thing, but in one sweeping motion, you can say, hey, I saw five things this week that are happening on social media and digital that I think would be cool. I'm not sure, but I did want to share them with you. Yeah. And it's like, cool. If they hate them, fine. But at least they also know now that you're the person who's going to bring them things. That goes a long way. And then you become the person that they ask about things when they want to know something that they don't understand. So um, it doesn't have to. I don't I don't think. And I say this also as someone who has interns every every semester, every two semesters. It it doesn't have to be a grandiose idea. Yeah. It just has to be for me. I I think I respect and I like effort. I, I like seeing like the hunger of like you really want to be here. You really are interested in this. You are really passionate about it. And um, I, you know, I was told very long ago by one of my first bosses ever in music that good ideas come from anywhere. And, you know, I think the smartest people in the business, the most innovative people in the business, most powerful people in the business live by that. So I would say, you know, if you see something that's interesting that you think could connect the dot, go for it. Incredible. I love it. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. 
behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Uh, well, speaking of, you know, interns and, and that age, you produced events at your alma mater, the wonderful Five, t- Five Towns College. Tell us about yes. your hip hop showcases there. Oh, my goodness. So the hip hop showcase is like, <laughs> so Five Towns is a music school, right? Like if you're in there and you're there to do something creative. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't have like, by that point, we didn't have like sports teams. We don't have a homecoming. So the hip hop show is like one of the biggest events of the cool. year. Um, and before I uh, was in charge of it, I actually helped um, a good friend of mine, um, Harlem, who still works in music to this day. Um, she was the the head of the show, I think the year before I did it. And so I was able to pretty much like assist her with everything, shadow her, with everything. Um, and, you know, she booked um, an, a, a large artist to come. Like, it was just every year you wanted to kind of up it and, like, make it better than the year before. And you being in charge of it was a big deal because it's, like, the biggest event of the school year, right? Um, at this point, though, I had already been um, president of student government activities, mm-hmm. but more so the activity side. And so I was already producing, like, I know it always sounds crazy, but like 66 events per semester. So if anyone had an idea about anything, they came to me, we figured it out, we got the marketing and the advertising together, we'd have the flyers ready for, you know, around campus, we'd have it on social media, promoted, like, we're doing all the things, right? So when it came to the hip hop show, I had to have the marketing part ready, but I also had to do with booking of talent, the run of show, programming, um, who's going to host the show, what are we going to do about tickets, how are we going to get people outside of just the students to come. Um, it was just all these different things. I even was like, are we going to do an after party? Like, I'm just making it my own little, like, <laughs> Grammy Award um, winning thing. We also did give out awards during that time, too, like student-driven, voted awards. So it's this whole thing, right? Um, And it was cool because we also had a tradition of doing a cipher, like very similar to like if you see like the BT award ciphers. And so it was also having to gather like the best rappers in the school and everybody in the school thinks they're the best rapper, right? And so I'm dealing with egos and hurt feelings. And I'm also like, well, we got to have the fan favorites and we got to mix it up. Um, and so I had them freestyle over two beats. One was, one was an old, more, more old school rap beat. I don't know if it was Rapper's Delight, but something along those lines. The other one was um, All Go to Everything by Trinidad James, which was like one of the biggest songs at the time. Um, and so what I did was I kind of made the people who had more traditional rap rap over the All Go Everything and the people who were more like modern, trap, like wherever we were at that time in music, right? I had them rap over the old school beat. So that was a thing. But then I had to film it. And I was like, I don't want them to film in the basement. So I made them film in a skate park. I just did a bunch of things to make it different. Like I really was producing an award show. And so I learned so much. Um, I even freestyled in the event just to add some fun. I don't know. I really thought this was like the Oscars. I was adding in comedy. Like it was... So fun. Um, we booked 
an artist that was um, newly signed to Epic at the time, and which was a big deal because like he was in the news for like his um, his big deal and like all this stuff. So it was so fun. Um, we packed it out. We had people from the school, but we also had people who came in from the city. Um, I think we had DJ Sus One, DJ Eight. So it was just a thing. Um, and we just had so much fun. But again, I learned also how to structure a team around me as well, because it was not all me. I'm one person. <laughs> I could do a lot. But, um, you know, we needed to put people in place from production to, you know, the actual um, functions. We had to have people who could do crowd control. We had to have security. We had to have, you know, even working with the theater in my school and working with the tech team and like rehearsals. And it was so much, but I learned how to put a show together from A to A to Z. Um, and it was successful. It was a highlight. And, um, you know, moving forward, it's helped me for sure be able to put together multiple events, shows. You know, I may have an artist that I'm doing a release party or a release event for who wants to add a live aspect. So I know all of that, that that takes, whether it's indoor or outdoor, um, you know, it's, it's just helped so much. And so I always tell people, you know, don't underestimate small beginnings. You may be thinking that you're doing something small just where you're seated, but I promise you everything that you've done will come full circle at some point. Um, and then you're like, wow, because you're looking around and people are like, oh, we don't know how to do this. You're like, oh, well, I know how to do it because I've done it before. Um, and, you know, it's great to be able to learn where the stakes are not too, too high. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, jumping right into production for like a signed artist would have been crazy. I've probably been too nervous to even think that I could do it. Um, but, you know, again, all these preliminary opportunities, they really set me up to be able to like do almost anything. Wow. I'd say. Love that. And again, shout out to Five Towns. I've, I've been there a few times. And, shout out to Five Towns. Yeah. I love it. So you, what drew you to writing for the R&B blog Singers Room? Yeah. So at the time, wow, we're going way back. Okay. So Singers Room, this is so funny, Emily, because most people have no idea um, that I did that either. So I was interning for Sony and getting, and I was uh, interviewing for jobs there. Um, I always like to mention this too, because I was interviewed for jobs because I did great at my internship, um, but I also formed a good relationship with HR as mm -hmm. well. And so between them and my supervisor and my internship, they had started to send me on interviews in the building because RSA didn't have anything at the time for me. And so they were like, but you're great. We want to help you keep your career off. Um, I think, again, if you're in the room, be in the room, talk to everyone in the room. If you don't know someone in the room, ask someone you do know to introduce you to this person, like tell people what you want. I was very expressive about the fact that I wanted a job, right? That I wasn't just sitting there hanging around because I thought it was cool in here. Like I wanted to work. Um, and so that being said, I'm interviewing and I'm just a, a plan A through Z kind of person. And so um, I, I was thinking about other things in music that I maybe was interested in doing. Um, I love music. I love going to shows. I, I'm actually an excellent writer. I didn't end up pursuing journalism in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but I have a pretty, pretty good pen on me. Um, and I don't remember how. I think it really was just... I also was the person who was at everything. I was going to shows. I was going to panels. I was going to 
uh, regular happy hours. I was with somebody's birthday. I was going like I was shaking hands, kissing babies. I was outside. Right. And somewhere along the lines, I met the CEO of Singer's Room. And yeah, we just got to talking. I'll never forget. I think the interview I had with him, I actually was at my internship. I had to like step away to talk to him on the phone, like somewhere in the building. Um, I did that a lot too. (laughs) I went to talk to him somewhere in the building and he was kind of like, well, I would love to have you write for Singer's Room. And then the same, I think around the same time, I got my job at Columbia and he Mm -hmm. was just kind of like, well, if it's not a hindrance to you, it's not a hindrance to me. If you want to still do this, even, you know, as you build out, you know, your time, the label, cool. Essentially, it ended up being a little too much for me. Um, And so I decided to like put that down, but they were great. Um, I was able to go to shows for free Um, and then also meet the artists backstage interview them, ask them questions. I think this was helpful too, because I think a lot of people are intimidated by artists, mm-hmm. um, but they're just people who have a really amazing, difficult often, but creative job. Um, and so I was able to see them in different elements, see them going from being on the stage to being backstage and kind of being like, whew, right? And, you know, being personable, asking them questions, seeing, you know, how that goes. And it was great. Um, it was great. It, it was a good time. And yeah, I was also able to learn more about how that works, right? Booking artists for shows, promotion, you know, managers, how they move and, you know, artists moves. And it was great. I definitely, um, it was an experience that I always appreciate. Mm, I love it. So you started as an intern at Sony Music about a decade ago, working your way up to assistant Ooh. to senior vice president of finance and operations slash chief chief financial officer assistant. Tell us about this and and then landing a marketing position. So tell us about this journey. Yeah. So the internship was at RCA in marketing and we got to work on so much stuff. I got to help. It was crazy. Like um, I got to help with the rebrand of artists like Jasmine Sullivan. I got to work on like El Barner at the time. Um, I was already, I learned quickly. So my supervisor at the time, shout out to John, um, he would give me work. I was doing artist one sheets. I was like <laughs> doing calendars. I was, you know, we got to meet with some of the amazing executives that were there. We got to present things and ideas. Um, <laughs> some of them they loved, right? And, you know, quickly they were like, you're the idea girl. Yeah, we want to talk to her. Um, Some of the ideas they didn't get right away, I'll never forget. So Vine had first come out back then, right? And I literally put together, I might still have the presentation somewhere in like my file, um, but I printed it out, like the screen grabs of it, everything. I put together this thing. So I was like, this is crazy. Vine was really the first time that I saw of where fans could get the first look into our artist's day-to-day, mm-hmm. right? This is before Instagram stories, before TikTok. This is before, this is before all that stuff, right? And so before that, it was just, we saw artists in press, on TV, in music videos, maybe a specialty show that MTV was doing or VH1 was doing, and that was it, right? There was no real way to know anything else about your favorite artist. Vine comes out and Wiz Khalifa is on there. And I'm like... And he's like showing us all this stuff, his day to day, you know, Wiz. He showed us him smoking, whatever. But I'm like, this is crazy. And I said, I was like, I feel like this is where 
artists are going. This is where music is going. I swear to you, I have the, this is all laid out. They didn't get it, but nobody really got it at this time. So I didn't take it like personally, but that's why I say too, to people who are interning still presented because you might be early, you might be ahead, you might be presenting something that they don't understand at first, but they'll remember later when it's like, oh my God, we got to get all our artists on this thing. And Vine didn't end up necessarily being the thing, but Snapchat came, Instagram stories came, and then it just it just became a thing. It funneled into that. So these are the types of things I'm doing at RC as an intern, right? Yeah. Lots of fun, um, lots of work. I'm also positioned and at the front desk. So when you get off the elevator, I have to talk to everyone, artists, executives, managers. So I'm learning a lot about who's who. Again, getting that one-on-one personability. I'm doing phones. I'm just, it's a great time, right? Um, <laughs> and then I break my ankle hmm. three weeks before graduation. And I'm devastated because they had already told me that I could intern for the summer, which is great because I can try to get a job, right? <laughs> and so... Um, I'm devastated. They're like, well, we really like you. So whenever you get yourself in something functional, like a cam boot or, you know, a grudge, something, come back. I'm like, yes. Um, so I go back and I'm in a cam boot and I am like hustling up and down the hallways. They're like, can you sit down? I'm like, no. <laughs> um, now in my career, whenever I feel like I'm getting like stagnant or like I'm not working hard enough, I try to go back to that girl. Because mm-hmm. she was hungry and she stopped at nothing, like broken ankle. She's like, I'm getting to work. Um, and so that ethic is something that I, I take with me now. Um, but fast forward, I land a job at Columbia, which is interesting because I'm a marketing girl, right? Mm-hmm. So the first thing, shout out to Mario, incredible HR executive to this day. He was like, I got something for you. I think it's an amazing fit. He was like, I know you're going to think this is crazy when I tell you the position, but try to trust me. I'm like, Mario, what is this? Right. (laughs) And so um, he's like, it's working with the the chief financial officer of um, Columbia Records. And I'm like, finance. I'm like, Mario, I don't even like math. I'm like, I I went to five times for a reason. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, Janae, but let me explain it to you. So he's like, it's a bit different. He said, first of all, it's finance and operations. Mm-hmm. He said, secondly, the way it works over at this particular label, um, their finance department is also like a marketing strategy department. Mm-hmm. And so ideally, you know, they're working really heavily on not only like do the creative ideas make sense, but how much are we spending and how do we budget properly for said marketing? Right. And so I was like, OK, that sounds interesting. I guess, right? And so I end up meeting with um, my, who would soon to be boss, Steve Russo, who's now like head of, of one of the heads of the whole Sony Music, right? Um, incredible, incredible guy. Just so like a wealth of knowledge um, when it comes to music and when it comes to people too, mm-hmm. I'd say. And so in our first, our first interview, um, yeah, he was just kind of like, I think you're really bright and I think you're going to be great in this business, this industry, and I want you to start here. Um, And that's also when we had the conversation where I mentioned great ideas come from anywhere. That was that conversation as well. We talked about so much. Um, This is also when Spotify is just being introduced, like kind of like very heavily. So labels are figuring out that. Um, So I really came to the top. Um, And I was really able to learn and see things from both sides. Um, Being at Columbia was great because, again, I'm working with, the finance strategy team that's overseeing the marketing budgets, 
everyone in the building has to come to us to get anything done. So I know everything that's going on from A&R to marketing to digital to touring department, like publicity, everyone. Um, on the operations side, I learned how to run a music company because there was nothing that didn't come past my desk. Mm-hmm. My boss would not even look at it if it didn't touch my hands first, and if I didn't review it. And at first I was like, well, doing that and then I was like oh he wants me to learn how this works um and so I was in everything from like record deals and to uh to splits to like everything like I've seen it all um and Columbia has some really big artists right like we're talking like Beyonce Calvin Harris we're talking Barbara Streisand for Peak's sake. Like, it's everybody. Um, J. Cole, which is my favorite rapper in the world. So I'm, like, working on all this stuff. And it was such a whirlwind. Um, but it was excellent. And I'm able to work with top executives like a Rob Stringer. I'm able to put together reports for the entire, you know, Sony music. And, like, so I know everyone's market share and what's going on with that. And so it was, it's crazy, I think, in hindsight, especially me having been so young at the time but it was invaluable. Um, and outside of just what I learned on the music and the marketing side, you know, cause I'll turn a budget on its head in like three minutes right now. Like you can give me anything, but I'm also a stickler about the numbers too. Like, like every dollar, every penny counts, how to move it around the time frame you need to move money around. Like I learned all those things. And I think it's made me an incredible marketer um, and one that is able to work across budgets depending on what they are, which I know we're going to get into. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that was great at at Columbia. Um, And then here comes RCA knocking. Like, hey, we got something. (laughs) Um, And at the time, um, Columbia didn't have, they had like um, urban, quote unquote. So they had like rap and army. They didn't have a lot of it. Um, they have such a diverse roster in that way. And I really wanted experience or more experience working in rap and R&B. Excuse me. And so um, it was a tough, tough decision. Columbia was trying to get me to stay. And I loved Columbia. I really did. So it really was just a personal career decision um, that I made. And again, being so young, such a big decision to make, right? Um, but I think I made the right decision. And yeah, I went downstairs and <laughs> back downstairs. And um, I was able to work on some incredible artists. You know, I got to work on, you know, Chris Brown. I got to work on the early developments of her. Um, I got to work on, you know, Usher, Jasmine. I got to work on Aretha Franklin. Like, I got to work with Charlie Wilson. got to work with Anthony Hamilton. It was, it was great. Um, and the people that I worked under have been doing this for so long. Like, they're responsible for people like D'Angelo and Brandy and um, TLC. And so just being able to learn from them I also think was invaluable. And then being able to work on artists in real time. And then also even being from being able to work on the entire ASAP mob, right? Having like ASAP Rocky and ASAP Ferg as my priorities. Like, this is fun. Um, it's a lot of work. And I always like to remind people of that. Like, music business, put the business in front. Because this is work. It is a very fun job. And it's a very exciting 
industry to work in, but it's work. I think sometimes people get a little enamored by the glitz and glamour pieces and they get a bit of a culture shock mm-hmm. when they're like, oh, dang, this is a real job. Yes, <laughs> it's a job with deadlines, with things, you know, bottom lines to me. Um, and I think it's even more intense than other industries because there's a person behind there, right? So if you mess something up or you don't do your due diligence, you're not just messing up a report. You're like messing with like an artist's livelihood. And so, you know, I like to remind people of that, but yeah, incredible experiences. I did a lot of album release events and album listenings internally and externally at RCA as well. Um, I, I like to say that's part of why I'm so good at those two. Um, <laughs> we will put it together and, you know, make it work, make it happen. And again, it was one of those things where I just learned what was important and necessary in marketing to take a project from A to Z, how much it costs, how to develop artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I think RCA still to this day is a very artist development label. And so it was also I'm working on legacy artists, but I'm also working on artists that are brand new. And like, we need to figure out who the audience is and like how to translate them to them properly, how to maintain their artistry, but elevate their artistry and all these different things. And so, again, marketing is also the department where everybody wants to talk to you. I say it's the fire department. Everybody needs something. Everybody wants something and it's all urgent to them. So it's also, again, working with all these different areas, too, I think has helped me tremendously in my career across the board. Wow, just incredible. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So what prompted your move to Atlanta? Yeah, so Atlanta, um, my dad's side of the family has actually lived here for like over 20 years. So I've been coming here since I was probably like, since I was a teenager. Actually, around the time I started interning in music was when the, that's crazy. Wow. Yes, I started coming to Atlanta. I get to Atlanta and the same seven songs are playing on the radio. Um, and they're all hits. It was a lot of young money at the time. Um, Lloyd was in there mixed up, but I just remember the energy of the city. It's a very creative musical type of place. Um, and especially back then now too, but I think that's, I just remember being 16 in Atlanta and never forgetting it. Um, and so then I would go back and forth as an adult, um, especially once I started the agency and I'm producing events and parties as a part of like A3C Festival and all these different things. Um, I networked a lot over the years in Atlanta. And so um, I wanted to change. Um, I've been in New York my entire life. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's from New York knows what that feels like, right? Mm-hmm. Like my whole life. And I think I just wanted kind of a, a, a bit of a change. Yeah. 
had planned to actually move early 2020, but then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stayed in New York, of course, with my mom and my family that's in New York. Um, Cause we didn't know what was happening, right? With the world, I was like, well, I'm gonna just stay right here. And so um, kind of halfway through when we were at least able to like go to the park and social distance, um, I was like, I think I'm gonna make the move. And it was actually an incredible move for um, Brown to Perfection. Um, we're able to be on the ground here, but we also do go back and forth a lot back home to New York. We bounce over to LA. Um, but I think Atlanta for me is great because I do have the balance of like hustle and bustle when I want to. And when I'm just kind of in my house, just working and relaxing, I have that too. But it's also a very key place for music right now. Yeah. Um, I always tell people, whether it's management, executives, labels, whoever, you can't skip Atlanta. Like, of course, you still have to do New York, Mecca, right? You still have to do LA, necessary, big, huge part. But Atlanta is like a sweet spot that you don't want to miss because so much culturally, like, you know, South got something to say, <laughs> literally. Like, there is a big piece of what moves and doesn't move in music that happens right here. So, yeah, I totally agree. So, you mentioned Brown, Brown to Perfection Agency. Tell us about launching it. And when did you start to become known as the Beyonce of marketing? And actually, before I let you answer, like, your story just defines, like, work ethic to me. And, like, obviously, Beyonce is, like, a goddess and the ultimate. But it's, like, she worked so hard. And I think we know that. But when I was an intern at MTV a million years ago, I had to, like, tape, take time code on a Beyonce documentary. I'm just like, she works so hard. Oh, my gosh. So, anyway. Uh, back to my yes. question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so what was the original Yeah, question? sorry. So tell us about launching Brown to Perfection Agency and when did you start okay. to become known as the Beyonce of marketing? So funny enough, today the 12th, five days ago, we turned seven. I launched Brown to Perfection somewhere around June 7th, um, 2016. Mm-hmm. And so the last thing we were talking about was me working at RCA, right, at the label. Yeah. Great experience, but I also learned there that I'm not a desk kind of girl. Mm. I'm very hands-on. I like to be in the field. I like to get my hands dirty. Um, I want to be on site. I want to be. I like to do the creative stuff. I'm a creative girl. And what happened at RCA is what happens at a lot of companies, Um in general, but definitely can happen in music as well. Sometimes there's a structural change that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with someone like me, but it affects the workload and everything. So if something happens at an executive level, you know, the work still has to get done. So at this point, I'm doing like, I think I had like 33 projects. (laughs) Um, And so that's insane, right? And it just didn't allow me room to be the idea girl, to be creative, to have fun with the marketing, to, we just had to get it done. And as a true creative through and through, I think you learn to balance the fact that this is work and you have to do work. But if the scale tips too far over, I become extremely miserable. Um, And that's kind of where it was at. And so it was kind of like a mutual thing where like, we know we hired you to be creative, but there's no room for you to do that right now. Me being like, yeah, and I can't do whatever this is right now like this. Um, but in the meantime, as a true creative as well, I'm interviewing for other jobs. Um, <laughs> I'm doing that, other jobs in music. But I'm also um, 
creating this website because I needed to do something. I just was like, I can't do no more paper invoices. I don't want to hear about it. Calendars. I want to do something fun. So I'm like, okay, um, blogs were big at the time, right? And so I'm like, I want to create a website where basically it helps creatives, right? Artists, business owners, other creatives of all kinds get their marketing together. Um, so it's funny around this conversation. There were so many things that I did at the label that were pretty simple and didn't cost anything for the most part um, that went a long way with our artists. And I was like, well, damn, if um, more people knew that this is what they needed to do, they'd probably be at least a little bit further, right? Um, and so, and at the time, I'm, you know, I'm still very much in touch with the indie side of music in the city. I'm still running around. I'm still at every event. I'm still doing all these things. I know I'm creative, so I know nothing but creative people. And I'm learning more about their needs and then also what's possible without having to reach such a major le- like level. The in-between space that we kind of have now in the indie space was not something that existed back then, mm-hmm. like, like it is now. Like now you can own your entire career. You can do all these incredible things without signing to a major label company or having a major label situation. It just wasn't like that back then. So everybody was pretty much between the space of like super indie or your own, right? And trying to figure it out in between. So I think Brown Perfection is going to be a website, right? I come up with the name. I come up with the tabs for the website, all this stuff, right? Um, at the same time, I'm transitioning out of RCA. I'm interviewing for jobs. And I'm at the, like, the final interview at this really reputable music company. And um, there was a mix-up where like someone on the West Coast had interviewed someone and promised them the job. The East Coast people are angry with them because it was something contractual that they messed up. And so the HR person is like, hey, we're trying to fix it. But I'm a very spiritual person and I have been praying about what I should do. Right. Like, should I take this job or should I do something different? Because at the label, I'm also processing invoices for independent marketers and publicists and companies that we would utilize. And I'm doing the calculations and I'm like, well, they got to be making a decent amount. We're processing all these invoices. I was like, and they don't have to sit here all day in this cubicle. Right. And so I was like, that sounds fun. Right. I would talk to some of them on the phone. I'm like, they're having a good time. I could do that. And I always had a dream to start my own marketing and management agency, but I thought it would be like my passion project at like 45 years old. I didn't, you know, climb the major label ladder. Then it's like Janae Brown launches. All right. That was my vision. Um, Where I messed up at was I actually put on my vision board. The last one I made my senior year in college, I had put literally like the internship and then the internship turning into a job. And then I had just written the management firm and marketing firm thing on there just to have it. And this was like a three, four year plan thing. And I'm like, I just, like I say, vision boards work. (laughs) So that's how it ended up happening. But long story short, um, I was like, you know, God, all right, well, if I'm supposed to take this job and keep climbing the industry ladder, give me the job. I'll take it. If I'm not, don't give me the job and I'm going to start this company. I'm going to take that as like my, my green light. Never heard of this type of HR debacle in my life, but it happened and they were trying to fix it. And I was like, honestly, I'm okay. This is my, my rainbow in the sky. Mm-hmm. I'm good. And I started the company. <laughs> 
Um, I just started the company and I realized that what I wanted to do with the site was what I wanted to do as a company. I wanted to help people bring their ideas to life, help people get their careers together. Um, it's interesting that after seven years, the premise of the company at the root level has not really changed. Everyone that comes to us, I, I think now we work more high level, right? We work with big brands and we work with, you know, artists that are typically like right before the the, the superstar status. So they're kind of in the middle um, a lot of times. And we work on, you know, a bunch of different projects. We are the intersection between, you know, music and Corporate and culture, I like to say we're the authentic bridge between that, right? Because after being, as you know, doing my career trajectory, I know what matters at the corporate level for music and culture and entertainment and tech. And I know what matters on the cultural level, too, and what's important to the culture, to the fans, to the audience, um, to the artists, to the creatives. And I just, you know, kind of we create that beautiful marriage in the middle so that everybody's bottom line is authentically, you know, represented and achieved. And so, yeah, that was how I started the company. <laughs> um, we've grown so much since I've started it. Um, we've gone through so many different phases and levels and things. It's incredible. I'm so grateful to be able to say we've turned seven. I've worked with some incredible brands, companies, artists, um, I like to say we're an impact company first. And so I've been able to also just insert impact and philanthropic things and just things that matter beyond just, you know, entertainment, I think. Um, and that's something that we're really proud of. Like, you know, you mentioned I employ, I employ like strictly people of color, um, predominantly women of color. That's something I'm proud of as well, because I know how long sometimes it can take for us to climb up the ladder. I think things have gotten a lot better over the years, for sure, over the past um, you know decade or so. But it's still sometimes a lot. And then to get hands-on experience. Yeah. The other thing, that's the other thing, too. I was very lucky and blessed to be able to get such hands-on experience, but I know that that's not the norm. I have plenty of peers who it took them so long to be able to really get their hands in and on things just because there's a company structure and that's just how things go. And so I like to afford the opportunity for people as well to kind of really build their portfolios. You know, whether you stay with us or not, I want you to get that real time experience of actually marketing something, not just kind of being next to it as it happens to be able to see it, which is valuable too, but it's nothing like being hands-on. So, yeah. Wow. Us. So cool. <laughs>